0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now.
1: Hey church, do you remember the movie Back to the Future? I mean that came out right and then and, and and basically Back to the Future is is a 1985 it's an American science fiction film and is directed by Robert Zemeckis. It stars Michael J. Fox, right, as teenager Marty McFly who accidentally travels back in time from 1985 to 1955. You're going, Pastor, we know the movie. Okay, but just bear with me, okay? Because I wrote it on my notes. And he goes there, and he meets his future parents, and and he becomes his mother's romantic interest in Christopher Lloyd, who portrays the eccentric scientist Dr. Emmett Doc Brown, the inventor of the time-traveling, what was it, church? A DeLorean, okay, who helps Marty repair and go back to 1985. Very interesting movie. But at the end of the movie, you guys got to remember that Marty gets back and everything's changed, but Doc comes flying in, in the DeLorean, right? And he says, Marty, Marty, we got to go. We got to go to the future. Marty, it's your kids. You got to do something about your kids. And they get in and that's, that's the ending as they fly off into the future, back to the future, right? They go all the way to 2015. If you recall in the movie in 2015, cars were flying, and here we are 2018 and that's not happening. Although although I did see a commercial where the car actually has a camera so it could drive for you in a sense. If you start wandering off the road, it kind of pulls you back. That's crazy. But we're not flying yet. You go pastor what's your point? Well, our text our text today is a lot like the movie Back to the Future. You go what what do you mean? Right? Oh, well not so much in content, right? But in the context. See John chapter 13 to John chapter 16 is a lot kind of like the movie, the premise. And you go, well, but how so? Okay, well, think about it. Jesus came to earth over 2,000 years ago. He goes into the upper room with his disciples. He's only got a few hours left before he dies on the cross for the sins of mankind. Okay, and he goes up, right, and so what he does is he says, Listen, I've only got a little bit of time, so I want to I want to teach some amazing truths. I want to make sure that you guys get this. Okay. I don't wanna I don't wanna leave earth until you guys get this. And if we were to break down from chapter 13 to chapter fifteen thus far, guys, here's what we would discover. Okay, we would discover truth. Jesus is gonna tell us truth about forgiveness. How is that important in our lives? We gotta have that forgiveness. And it has to be that first step. Why? Because here's the problem with unforgiveness. It holds us bondage more than it holds a person that you are not forgiving. And so we've got to be so careful. Jesus teaches on that. He also teaches us about his betrayal. His betrayal, not only his denial from Peter, but his betrayal from who? Judas. And that breaks his heart. Why? Because we all know what it's like to have someone betray us. And Jesus knows exactly how that feels. When his friend betrays him, and we learned about that. We also learned about his departure. Jesus says, I'm going to go away. And that must have been crazy, hurtful for the disciples. That must have been like, wait a minute, I gave up everything. I left my job three years ago to follow. What do you mean you're going to go away? And so they're trying to understand all of this, and Jesus is teaching them, right? Their idea, they're not understanding that, that in, in a few short hours, their, their Lord and Savior is going to be hanging from a cross, and they're going to be scared to death that they're going to be out of control out of, all, over, all over Jerusalem. So they're thinking, what's going on? What do you mean? And then in chapter 14, we learned about heaven. We learned about the Holy Spirit, and we learned about peace. And if you recall, peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of Jesus in your life. You got to get that down, okay? The peace, guys, that Jesus gives, listen to me, is not the absence of trouble. We'll all have trouble, but rather the confidence that he is there with you always. That's peace. That's peace when you know you're so connected that no matter what you do, you leave this building, you go out those doors, and you face that world. It's an ugly world, but you know you can have peace because Jesus is with you. It's not the absence of conflict. And then we came to chapter 15, and here's where we need to go back in time to understand what he's going to tell us today, okay? I'm going to take you back in time. You go, what do you mean? Well, here's what we're going to do, guys. Let's get into our spiritual DeLorean, if you will, and let's go back all the way to 33 AD, and let's learn some truths about what Jesus is going to tell them, because it's going to help us today, okay? We got to go back so we can come to the future and go, oh, I get it, I get it. Okay, so if you're with me in this DeLorean, look at chapter 15, verse 1. I know we covered this, but I want to show you something. Jesus starts off and he says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, here's what we need to remember. We need to reiterate that it needs to be in our heart. It needs to be in our notes. You go, what's that? Number one, Jesus is the true vine. He doesn't say false vine. He says a true vine. Jesus Christ is the vine. The heavenly father, well, he's our vine dresser. He is the expert fruitman. He is the He is our vine dresser. That is the heavenly father. Who are the branches? That would be us, okay? We are the branches. We are the branch. He says, you are the branch, okay? Everybody go, okay, I'm a branch. I get that. That's us. And of course, he wants us, he wants us to bear fruit. You go, pastor, you talked about this two weeks ago. Well, stay with me, okay? Stay with me. The purpose of John 15, the purpose of the text is for us, all of us, to bear fruit. Can I get an amen? Then he wants us to bear more fruit. And then eventually he wants us to bear much fruit. And you go, well, Ben, 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 I got a question. How how do I do that? How do I bear fruit? How do I bear more fruit? How do I bear much fruit? I want to know. I want to know. Well, he tells us. I love the Bible. He tells us. Look at verse four. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you as the branch. Who's the branch? That's us. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Can I get an amen on that? How many of us have tried to bear fruit? Fruit. I got to bear fruit. I gotta, and, and what we do is we try to modify our behavior to look like fruit. Oh, that's good. That's good. We try to modify our behavior to look like fruit. All we have to do is abide in the vine. Abide in the vine, right? That's what he says. He says, abide in me and I new branch, cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, Jesus says, unless you abide in me. Simple instructions, very hard to do. We just got to stay connected. You go, what do you mean? Well, if you look at verse four and you see the word abide, that's just, that's, that's, I'm abiding in Jesus. Well, that sounds very theological, but you know what it really means? It means stay connected, stay connected, stay connected. Here's the, here's the definition, to remain in the same place over a period of time, to stay put, to stay connected. That's what it means, stay put, stay put in Jesus, stay connected. Okay, now jump over to verse eight. Okay, look at verse eight. Jesus is speaking. He says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Do you guys see verse eight? Okay, in other words, listen to what Jesus is saying. Jesus saying is my father is glory. My father's glory is shown how church by you bearing much fruit. You go, amen, I got that, Ben. But here's what I want you to see. He says, and this way, you become my disciples. Disciples, very key, very key. Why? I want to draw your attention to this verse for one reason. In our text today, guys, we see that Jesus will tell us not to stumble, but to remain faithful. Let me say that again. Jesus is going to look at you and say, don't stumble, remain faithful, okay? That's going to be the context, But we also see in our text, we get a small glimpse, listen to me, of the price we pay for being his disciples. Whoa, 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 time out, Ben, time out. I thought thought salvation was free. Salvation is free, but there is a cost for discipleship. There is a cost, and a lot of people don't get it. Can we be honest in church? We say, this is what we do. Come on in church. How you doing? You're so wonderful. Look at you. Oh, amen. Rah, rah, rah. Amen. Motivation. Go get him. Rah, rah. And we let people go out the door and we feel good. I have, there's nothing wrong with that except the fact that there's no cost to discipleship. And Jesus
2: says there is a cost. There is a cost. And you go, well, how? Ben, show me.
1: Well, again, notice he says, by this my Father is glorified by producing fruit, that you bear much fruit, even more fruit, and so you will be my disciples. Look at it closely again, guys. When we abide in Jesus, we bear what? Much fruit, and we are his disciples. We are his disciples. You go, why are you bringing that out? In order to understand our text today, we must first realize that we are more than Christians. We have to get it. Okay, for you to understand, listen, for you to understand the text today, for you to obey the text today, you have to know who you are. You have to know who you are. You are a, he's talking to who? He's talking to the disciples, to his disciples. So the question is, guys, the question is, are we a disciple of the Lord? Are we a disciple of the Lord? And you're thinking, you might be thinking this morning, oh, Pastor Ben, is there a difference? Is there a difference between being a Christian and being a disciple? What is the answer to that, church? Yes. Yes. Very good. Very good. It was Pastor Greg Laurie's book, who I read years ago, who wrote this Every disciple is a believer, but not every believer is a disciple. Let me say that again. Every disciple is a believer, and he writes, Not every believer is a disciple. And once again, church, this is so important because the cost of discipleship could mean your life. The cost of the discipleship could mean your life. Let's go back to our buddy Pete. You guys remember Pete? Pete's like, Lord, I'll die for you. And, and, and Jesus looks at him and smiles and he says, Pete, bro, listen, that's awesome. Thank you for your heart, but you're not going to die. As a matter of fact, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster even crows, bro. But if he but 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 then Pete Pete caught Pete caught it, right? He he, he got the Holy Spirit and, and he knew that the cost of discipleship was actually him laying down his life, but in a whole different way than he thought. He was actually crucified upside down. History tells us. So once again, guys, it's important. It's important to understand our text because the cost of discipleship could mean your life Martin Luther once said quote a religion that gives nothing costs nothing and suffers nothing is worth nothing we're not talking about religion are we we're talking about discipleship so you need to understand Martin Luther is coming listen religion doesn't do anything but discipleship is going to be worth everything it was Nathan Schaefer who once wrote listen to this Nathan Schaefer wrote quote at the close of life when you're about to take your final breath the question will not be how much have you gotten but how much have you given not how much have you won, but how much have you done? Not how much have you saved, but how much have you sacrificed? The question will be how much have you loved and served? not how much have how much were you honored end quote. discipleship discipleship now. I know what you might be thinking. You're looking and going, me, a disciple? Seriously, Ben? Me, a disciple? Well, what is a disciple really? Well, if you're taking note, let me give you the definition, okay? A disciple of Christ is, number one, one who believes his teaching and obeys them. Everybody got that? One who believes his teaching and has them. If you're going to be a disciple, you need to what, obey his, you need to believe his teaching, and you need to be obedient. That's a disciple. Number two, number two. A disciple is one who rests on his sacrifice, rest in his sacrifice. You understand the cross, you understand that there's no way that you can merit yourself, there's no way that you can earn your salvation, and so your rest comes from the work that Jesus did on the cross. That's a good place for an amen. That's a good amen right there, because I want to rest in that. You go, what else? Number three, number three, guys, is a a discipleship of Christ is one who walks in the Spirit. One who walks in the Spirit. There are two natures in my breast, right? One is flesh and one is spirit. And, and I want to walk in his spirit. I don't want to fulfill the desires of the flesh. And the desires of the flesh, if we're honest, comes out a lot. Let me tell you. Right? And, and it just does. And the flesh is awful. And you've got to keep pounding that down. And said, no, I need to walk in the spirit. I need to walk in that. And a disciple is one who purposes to walk in his spirit. And last but not least, jot this down. A disciple is one who imitates his example. Who imitates ex- his example. Later on in in... First John, he says, "Listen, if you're gonna be Jesus, you need to walk like Jesus." I'm paraphrasing, but that's what John says. I mean, do, are we walking like Jesus? Yeah, dude, what are you talking about? When you go to the mall, people mistake you for Jesus. No, but but that's the key, right? I want to imitate him. I want to be. I want to be. Well, you know where I can be Jesus. I can be Jesus to people in the in the hospital. I can be Jesus to them. Jesus is hope. I want to offer hope. You go, amen, pastor. Good job. Go get them. No, no, no. What I'm talking about is that's a job for all of us. You see, because the Bible says that we're all ministers, that I'm here to equip you so that you do the work of the ministry and you can get that just wonderful satisfaction to do hospital visits. Hey, can I just go pray for people? Can I just go love people? Can I be Jesus to them? So a disciple is, guys, back in our text, our disciple is one who believes his teaching and obeys them. Number two, rests on his sacrifice. Number three, walks in his spirit. And four, imitates his example. Now, why do I bring this up? Why do I bring this up? Okay, listen. We learned last week that the world hates you. Do you guys realize that? We learned last week. If you are a fully devoted follower, right, or a a disciple of Jesus, the world hates you. You go, what does that word hate mean? If you recall last week, it's a feeling of hostility. It's a strong dislike with a possible implication of desiring to do harm. See, it's not just, I hate you. I don't like you. Go away. You bug me. You're irritating. The word hates. The word says, I want to I want to see you, I want to do I want to see you do bad. I want to bring harm to your life. I want to see you stumble. I want to see you trip. I want to see you. I want to see you when you're crying, the world says. The world says, I want to see you when you're down. I want I want to see you drinking. I want to see you just on drugs. I want to see you down and out, man. I hate you. And Jesus told us guys that the world is going to hate us, right? The world is going to hate us. I was thinking about hate, right? I was thinking about this hate, and I found this quote. It's It's an interesting quote. Notice what it says. It says, hate is like acid. It can damage the vessel in which it is stored, as well as destroy the object on which it's poured. Wow. Okay, think about this. Hate is like acid. It can damage the vessel in which it's stored. That would be the world, as well as destroy the object on which it's poured. The world hates us. The world hates us. And listen, our Jesus knows. He knows this. And so he says, listen, I get this, guys. I know the world's going to hate you. So I want to give you peace and comfort. And how am I going to do that? I'm going to remind you by telling you about the Holy Spirit once again. Now, he's already talked about the Holy Spirit. He's going to do it again. And that's where we pick up our study today in verse 26. John chapter 15, verse 26. Jesus says, but when the helper comes whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. If you have a pencil handy, you can circle that word for helper. We know what it is. In the Greek, it's parakletos, and it means helper. It means advocate in the legal term. So you've got somebody being your advocate, and I'm going, amen. He's also an advisor. Have you asked the Holy Spirit for advice lately? Lord, what should I do? Where should I go? Should I buy this? Should I not buy this? He is an advisor. The Bible also says in, 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 in the definition of paracletos, he's an exhorter. He wants to exhort you. He's also a comforter. And I don't mean he's the comforter on your bed where you crawl up and you get all nice and warm, but he's the one that brings comfort when, in times of stress. Now, I know none of you have jobs that are stressful, so uh, you might not need him. But if you have a job that is stressful, he can be your comforter. Say, Lord, you, you got more for me. I got this, Lord, you got this. And then the word paraclete is also, guys, the word encourager. And he's an encourager. He's an encourager. Now, here, here's my point. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want the whole word of God. I want the truth. I want all of the word of God. And I, 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 I know that there's a place for pastors who are great encouragers, okay? They're great encouragers. But the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to encourage me and teach me. Come on, you can do this. I just need to be connected to him. I just need to be connected, right? He's, he's the helper. And Jesus says, but when the, when the encourager, when the comforter, when the exhorter comes, who I'm gonna send, who's he gonna send him from? He says, I'm gonna send him from my father. He's the spirit of truth and his job is gonna testify of me. Now, once, look at verse 26 again, okay? So the helper is coming. Jesus is where he's gonna come from the father, the spirit of truth, and what? And when he comes from the father, he's gonna testify of me. Me is in capital speaking of Jesus. Here's what I want you to note, guys. I don't know if you can see it there, but here is another beautifully designed reference to the triune God, the triune God. You go, what do you mean? Do you guys see it? Here's the father, son, and the Holy Spirit wrapped up in one verse. You go, oh, the Trinity, the triune, okay, I see it. Now, when it comes to the Trinity, here's the one thing we need to make sure, okay? Um, If we were to do math, we would not do it like one plus one plus one, right? Father, Son, and Spirit equals three. That's not how we would do it. It would actually be more like one times one times one equals one, the triune God. The term tri, it, it means three Unity means one, so you get the triunity or the triune, or we abbreviate it by calling them the trinity, the trinity, and it's a way of acknowledging. We see it here, guys, and here's what I want you to grasp in the trinity, okay? The Bible reveals to us about God that God is what? God is one yet in three persons who have the same essence of deity, three in one. One, I was sitting in my recliner this morning going, three and one, God, that's the Trinity is really just kind of like, it's hard to grasp. And he goes, well, you're a triune being, you got body, soul, and
2: spirit, but you're still one, right? And you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Except
1: the, tri, the triune God are three different persons, still one. I'm still the same person. And so it's kind of like, okay, okay, I get it. And then I go, I don't get it. And that's okay. We don't understand the Trinity, but we will. We will. A lot of people have tried to do that, right? So we see the triune God. He's sending the helper. You go, what is the mission? What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus told us that back in chapter 14, verse 26. Back in in chapter fourteen, verse twenty six. But the Helper, there he is, the uh, the Paracletos, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Here's his Here's his mission. He's going to teach you all things and bring to remembrance all the things that I said to you. So, who is the teacher? The Holy Spirit is the teacher. Why is it important when we come to Bible study that we go, okay, Holy Spirit, speak to me? Because a lot of times, guys, we put a lot of essence and we put a lot of 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 how we're going to learn on the speaker himself. And if the speaker is dynamic or if the speaker is funny, I can, I can use humor and I could reel you in. And then, But really the teacher, when it comes to the word of God is the Holy Spirit. And how important it is, is to say, Abba, dad, come and, and, and just fill me with your spirit so I can have what I need. Here's why. Because this group might have something, something different than this group. This person might be going through something that this one doesn't know about. And the Holy Spirit knows all of that. And is here to teach you. That's the first thing. The second thing we see, guys, is that what? He's the teacher, and he's going to bring remembrance everything Jesus said to them and actually to us. Actually to us. Why? Because there'll be times when the Holy Spirit is working in your life, and you're coming up with Scripture, and you don't even know. You didn't even remember you knew it when did I study that? Oh, I, well, the Bible says this. And, and the Bible. Oh, yeah, and here's the word of God. And then all of a sudden, the person you're talking to just shakes your head and goes, wow, I didn't know you knew that scripture. And you're going, well, neither did I. But it's the Holy Spirit who brought it to remembrance. That's why it's important, guys, that we have such a, such a time of devotion to God every morning. Some of you might be every night, but the devotion, why? Because as you pour into you, as you pour into you, then what happens is that the Holy Spirit can bring that up. You don't have to all remember it now, but you can go, oh, yeah, yeah. The second part of that, guys, is that when you hear false teaching, that you go, no, that's not right. That's not right. And when you have somebody who's zealous behind the pulpit and wanting to make friends more than he wants to teach you the Word of God, you can go, no, no, the the Word of God doesn't say that. It, it says this, and, I, and I'm not talking about somebody who just misunderstands the word for a moment or somebody who's brand new. I'm talking about somebody who wants to deceive you. You have the knowledge. The Holy Spirit says, hmm, hmm. I've read something there. Let me go back and research it. Okay. Let me see. Let me see. That's his ministry. That's his ministry. So, what's our mission? If he's going to give us the Holy Spirit, well, Jesus tells us in verse 27 of chapter 15, notice he says, and you will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Guys, if you're taking notes, a better rendering of this is you are witnesses, okay? You are witnesses. Jesus is looking he says, listen, you're not going to bear witness. You are a witness, right? Why? Remember, a witness is not something we do. It's something we are. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, you know what? You know what your mission is? Your mission is to bear witness. And he says, and I've been with you. I've been with you, right? And we'll continue to share the gospel in the future. This is what a disciple of Jesus Christ does. Warren Wearsby writes on this subject, listen, quote, the spirit also witnesses to us and through us during times of persecution. He reminds us that we are experienced this fellowship of his sufferings. And that's a privilege to bear reproach to his name. That's what Warren Weersby says, and Paul reminds us of the same things. If you're taking note, it's Philippians chapter three, verse ten: "That I may know Him." And we go, "Amen." The power of His resurrection. I want to be there when he, when we're resurrected. And then He goes, "Then and the fellowship of His suffering." being conformed to his death. Now, listen, I'm all for being with Jesus, right? I'm all for that I want to know the who he is, right? I, w- I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to hear his voice. I want to sing, and, and I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, right? Yeah, that's in my life. And the power of suffering. Whoa, not the power of suffering. What?
2: <laughs>
1: I don't want to suffer like Jesus. Time out. And then it says, and being conformed to his death. And you're just like, wow, okay, okay. See, Paul tells us the same thing. So we understand that we're headed in a world full of persecution. And if you recall last week, guys, we said this, if you do Acts 1.8, you can expect Acts 8.1. Do you remember that? Acts 1.8 says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You go, amen. He says, if you do that, you can expect Acts 8.1. You go, what's Acts 8.1? At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So what is Jesus doing? If you're taking note, he's going to warn us of persecution. Okay? But I want you to remember, who is he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. He's saying, listen, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to be my disciple, I've got to warn you and I'm going to warn you of persecution and that's what he says, right? So what's he telling us? Point number 1, you can write on top of there. It says don't stumble, remain faithful. And I want you now I want you to note the cost. Okay? Note the cost. Look at chapter 16 verse 1. Jesus says, "These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Notice what Jesus says, these things. What things? Everything we've talked about, guys, everything that you're gonna go through, all of that 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 we've talked about, he says, I've told you so that you wouldn't stumble. You wouldn't stumble. Look at verse 16. Look at chapter 16, verse one again. Notice the word stumble, okay? Here's what I want you to write next to. You can write offended. Some of your translations will say offended, but it actually means to fall away. Jesus is looking at us and he's going, listen, I told you these things so you, that you wouldn't fall away. You wouldn't be made to stumble. There's a lot of folks, listen, church, listen, there's a lot of folks who are so zealous and they'll come forward and they'll pray a prayer and they, oh, I gave my life to Jesus, amen. And they'll walk about for a few weeks and a few months and then the persecution of the world will start to come and they fall away from Jesus. Oh, My life was so much better when I didn't have to worry about that. Oh, because it comes from out of the woodwork. It comes from family members that you thought would never criticize your walk with Jesus. It comes from all over the place, and you're just like, oh. And and Jesus says, no, 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 listen, here's my point. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this, guys, so that you wouldn't stumble. I want to tell you these things so you don't fall away. And so what Jesus does is he gives both a warning and an encouragement. Let's see if we can pick it up, right? Now, let's talk about the cost of discipleship, okay? If you're pretty fast, you can hold your finger here, right, and turn one book back to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. I want to show you about the cost of discipleship. One book over to the left, Luke chapter 9, picking it up in verse 23. Here's what he says. Now, Jesus said to all of them, okay? Listen to what Jesus says. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it a man if he gains the whole world and he himself is destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of... Of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. Now, notice again, what's the cost of discipleship? Well, first and foremost, he says, if anyone desires to come after me, that's a disciple. We're going out, we're following after Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. He says, the second thing is you have to deny yourself, okay? So we're no longer longer egocentric, okay? We're Christ-centric. We're gonna follow. We gotta deny me. They're my, What? what do I want? What, no, 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 what, Jesus, what do you want? He says, if, after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross daily. You've heard that, right? Oh, I got to bear my cross. Got to bear my cross. Now, I want to I show you something here that's going to be very interesting. Oftentimes, we think a cross is maybe a person that we have to deal with, somebody awful, somebody, oh, that's my cross. Lord, my cross to bear. My mother-in-law, what a cross to bear. My father-in-law, whatever it might be, right? You just, that's how you feel. That's not what it means. When he says, take up your cross daily, what was the cross? What was the purpose of the cross? Death. If you, if you were going to be nailed to the cross, it wasn't just a burden. It wasn't just something that you had to endure. You, you would die. So what Jesus is saying right here is he says, the cost of discipleship, guys, is you need to take up, you need to die daily. You need to die daily to you and your wants and your wills in your flesh. That's what a disciple is. He's telling him, this is what you're going to do. And then he says, and whoever desires to save his life, he's going to lose it. But whoever desires to, what, to save, to, for my sake will save it. Whoever desires to lose his life, he says, I, I'm going to take it. And then he says, listen, here, here's what I want you to say. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he loses your soul? Two things on this verse, right? Number one, Really, what profit is if you say, okay, I'm not going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be his disciples. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be a millionaire. He says, what if you got the whole world and lose your soul? Tell me, tell me what that's worth.
2: And the second thing I want you to see is what what, um, what a soul is really worth. You know, what's that? According to that scripture, the soul is worth the whole world, is it not? When we become his
1: disciple, guys, we're going to run into persecution. But because because you're a witness and you're a disciple, guys, there are are
2: souls that are being saved because of you, because of your witness. Let's go back in John,
1: look at verse 2. Jesus says, and now I want you to feel the weight of this, okay? Verse 2, Jesus says, They will put you out of the synagogues, Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he, he offers God's service. And I'm going, okay, that's where I time out, Lord, time out. Can I call a time out? Can I call a time out? Why? Listen, I'm all for being this disciple. Lord Jesus, I will pass out bulletins. I will mop floors. I will clean toilets. Are you kidding me? I will do whatever you want me to do. But now you said something that I'm just not happy with, Lord. He just told his disciples, he said, listen, there's going to time coming, guys, when they will, they will excommunicate you from church from the synagogue, from religious service. And he says, and the time is coming that whoever kills you... Now, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa.
2: Jesus, I have a question. You mean I could die for my faith? Well, Lord, I've got to be honest with you because
1: I thought Christianity was all like cupcakes and, and brownies. I thought it was just going to be good. I thought like, listen, if I give my life to you, I'm going to have everything I ever wanted. It's going to be great, okay? I'm going to listen to Christian music and, and I'm going to get a new car and it's just going to be great. And, and Lord, you're going to walk with me every day, but now you're saying that there, that if I'm going to follow you wholeheartedly and I'm going to be your disciple, okay, because that's what you said. He said, if I'm going to bear much fruit, I'm your disciple. And if I'm your disciple, you're telling me that I could
2: die? that's exactly what Jesus is saying that's exactly what Jesus is saying
1: guys he's saying there's a time there's a time coming i mean think about that and and the people who actually kill you might think they're doing god a god
2: service they're like what what they're going to make you outcasts they're going to turn on you they're going to persecute you,
1: and there's a time coming where they might kill you. Of course, we see this firsthand in Scripture, don't we? If you're uh, have a, taking notes, guys, remember um, it was Saul and Stephen in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. You guys know the story, and for the sake of time, I won't tell you that, but it says here in verse 1, now Saul was consenting to his death. Saul's sitting there, right? This is before he became Paul. He's looking at Stephen. Stephen is just, Stephen is just being a disciple, right? And, and, and there's Saul, and they laid down... the cloak at at Saul's feet, and there's Saul going, do it, because we got to stop this Christianity thing. That's not the way of Judaism. Stop it now. So they kill Stephen, and Saul walked away going, another one for you, Lord. Another one for you. It wasn't until chapter 9, another chapter later, where, where Saul actually met Jesus, and he says, dude, what are you doing? Who are you, Lord? And it's and that's the same thing for us. Could you imagine? Could you imagine your life? You say, Pastor Ben, from this day forward, I'm going to be his disciple. I'm going to walk in him. I'm going to talk. In him. I'm, going to, I'm going to be a witness. My life is
2: all his. And then and you'd be persecuted, and people don't like you, and you're an outcast. And one day you might have to give up your life. Are you a, are you a Jesus follower? Yes, sir. Come
1: here. Say goodbye to your family and friends. Is your babies? Is that is that your baby right there? Oh, they're cute. They're cute. Good little boys. Good little boys. Are you a follower of Jesus? Yes. Come with me. You'll never see him again. Whoa! 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 Whoa!
2: And 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 he's preparing them, guys. He's preparing them. He's preparing them. He says they might they might do this. He's going to give them the reason. look at verse three. He says, "And these things they will do to you
1: because they have not known the Father nor me. They're thinking they're doing God's service, but here's the simple reason, guys, they do these things because they don't know God. They don't know God. Do you, church, do you understand that there's a group of people out there that don't know my, your father doesn't know Jesus? Okay, now, now again, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take this a little bit deeper, okay There's a lot of people who claim they know Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. They don't know the God you know. There's a lot of people who claim to know God, but it's not the God of the Bible. It's not the God of the Bible. It's a God that they made up. It's a God that, that works well with them and what they want to do and how they want to do things. And so when you bring up the Bible, they go, no, I don't want to talk about that. Me and God, we've got it worked out. And it's like, no, here's what the Bible, here's, here's the word of God. And if I'm a disciple, I'm going to I'm going to obey his teachings. I'm going to want to learn his teachings. And and he says, the people who do this to you guys, they're, uh, they don't know God. You guys see verse 3? Look at verse 3 for a moment. Look at the word known, okay? That means to be known by experience. To be known by experience. It's not just I heard about it. Now, here's what I want you to see. Okay, here's what I want you to see. Look at me for a second. There are a lot of people who have an intellectual belief about God, but they've never really experienced him. A lot of people who have an intellectual belief, okay? They have them up here. They know. They know that there is a God that that allowed the sun to rise or the sun to set. They know that there's oxygen because there's a God, but they don't know him experientially.
2: They have never tasted him and said, oh, this is my God. This is my God. And he says, don't be surprised, guys. Don't be surprised. Now, let's close our
1: study guys with the last three verses, okay? Jesus is still st- thinking. I mean, now notice what he says to his disciples. He says, "But these things I have told you that when the time comes you remember that I told you them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you." Notice what Jesus says. He says, "I'm about to die." This is what he's saying. "I'm about to die." And I'm telling you so that you're prepared. Now, I didn't tell you when we first started out in mission together, because I was with you, I could protect you. I would, I would walk with you. He says, but I'm going to go away. I'm going to go away, okay? But now I go away. Look at verse five, to him who sent me. And he says, and none of, me, none of you asked me, where are you going? Here's why. Because the things, because I have said these things to you, he said, sorrow has filled your heart. Sorrow has filled here. He says, you guys are bummed out. You Have you ever been so bummed out you stop listening? That's exactly what happened. He's been, I mean, think about it, right? You're trying to process all of this. And emotions are involved and you're going, wait a minute. Okay, yes, I'm your disciple, Lord. I'm, I'm all about bearing fruit, man. I'm all about bearing more fruit and much fruit. I'm all about just, um, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And Jesus looks and says, yeah, but you know what? There's some people out there that want to, might want to kill you someday. What? Uh, They might want to kick you out of the synagogues because of your belief in me.
2: Wow, well. Feel the weight of it. Feel the weight of it, guys,
1: because you and I know that Jesus is going to the cross and we're here on the other side of the cross going, yes, thank you, Jesus. But these guys had no clue what was going to happen in the next five minutes.
2: And they're just like, Uh, they're looking at other disciples and going, "Hey, um, why don't you
1: ask him? Why don't you ask him uh, where's he going? You know, when well, he just said that." And I don't. And there's just they don't
2: want to talk about it because their hearts are filled with sorrow. Jesus said, "Hey,
1: listen. None of you asked where are you going." He said, in, "He said instead, the longer I've talked, the sadder you've become." That's what it means, your heart is filled the sadder you've become. Listen, church, listen. We are His disciples. We're in an amazing place of grace right now. But the time might come, listen to me, the time might come in our world when professing followers of Jesus will be persecuted. The time might come when we might be jailed for your faith. You might be imprisoned. Or you may even be murdered. Now, you all have that look like, nah, this is the United States, man. No way. We all have religious... No, we have religious... No, the time is coming, guys, and could be coming where we are. Or if a pastor gets behind a pulpit and he preaches the incomparable word of god that the authorities could come in and say that's hate speech you need to go to jail listen listen when my girls were young it was hard to take cuz it's like no i the, my my kids need me i lord wh- why would you yeah. And as they get older and they're able to take care of themselves, if somebody came in and you said, Pastor Ben, what you said on that teaching about Jesus being the Messiah and the only way to God, that's hate speech. You need to go to jail. I told Nathalie I love you and I'll, do, I'll, have, a, I'll have a jail ministry. But I see my sister Sasha over here and Anthony and they have a little one coming in about a month. And it's not the same for them. And and it's like, oh, Lord, this is our baby. I mean, how could we? We would never turn our back on you, God, but this is our baby.
2: Guys, the time might come when reading your Bible is against the law
1: sharing christ would be an automatic 5 year jail sentence. You go Ben I still don't believe you man this is the United States okay as we close let me just do this okay let me give you let me give you the top 10 dangerous countries for christianity okay these are where people I mean these are the top 10 if you go on the internet this is a, the first one is Laos right population is 6.4 million people and there's only 200,000 christians and the main religion is buddhism buddhism It's against the law to speak of Christianity there. You go, what's number nine? Ubiksten, Ubiksten, okay? Population 27.5 million, and there's only 208,000 Christians. The main religion, Islam. Then you have Iraq is number eight. 30.7 million people, only 334 Christians. Main religion, Islam. Then you have Yemen. Yemen is 23.6 million people very few Christians, very few, and the main religion is Islam. Then you have Maldives. Maldives has 311 and very few Christians, and as we get lower and lower, this is where it gets, it, it, there's more persecution. Number five is Somalia. They have 9.1 million people, very few Christians. The main religion is Islam. Then you have number four, which is Saudi Arabia, 25.7 million people there, only five hundred and sixty-five fourth. Uh, 565,000 Christians, the main religion, Islam. Then you have Afghanistan, 28.1 million Christians, very few. Very few Christians. 25, excuse me, 28.1 million people, very few Christians. And then you have Iran, is number two, 74.2 million people in Iran, very few Christians. And last but not least, guys, North Korea population 20 million people in North Korea and 400,000 are Christians and the main religion there atheism atheism thank you jesus that we live in the united states where we can still worship and we can still be a christian where the majority is but the day might be coming guys and it's almost here where we go okay okay i need to be a disciple And I know that that could cost me my life. And Lord, as much as I love all of this,
2: I love you more. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word today
1: and the truth in your word. Give us the courage and the boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit, God. Lord, we have not not faced persecution here like in other countries. But Lord, I don't want to focus on the persecution, God. I want to focus on being your disciple. So I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, come right now and help me be your disciple. To follow you, Jesus, for forever. I don't want to just be a professing Christian. I want to be a disciple. I ask this in Jesus' beautiful name.